I am that I am. Proud to be Adamus. Welcome to our gathering. A lot to talk about today. A lot of smiling faces. <laughs> you don't know what you're in for. <laughs> Lots to cover. Linda, no matter what, at 4.50, cut me off. Cut me off. No more. No more. Because if we can't get it all into this next hour and a half or so, we shouldn't be doing it anyway. Isn't that right, Bonnie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the energy. It's not the words. It's the gathering. It's not the long, dreary lecture. Nice sword. Yes, thank you. So, and John, no matter what, if Linda doesn't cut me off at ten minutes of five, cut off the microphone. Just cut it off. <laughs> but not a moment before. So this is our monthly spiritual gathering. And the question I have to start the day off is, how is your sensuality? I like this. How is your sensuality? We'll need a microphone. Please, come on. I didn't say sex, Edith. That's just between us. I said sensuality. I'm so sorry. No rest, Edith. No rest. Sensuality. How's your sensuality? A bit on the low side lately. Low side. Good. Good. Thank you for your honesty. Why? Oh, you know why? First of all, my choice, but lack of attention. Maybe, maybe, excuse me, Andra, maybe thinking a little bit too much, eh? That'll ruin a very sensual day. Uh, please. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. How's your sensuality? Nice scarf. I love this sword. Nice scarf. How's your sensuality? I would say it's good as far as nature goes. I'm not nature sure good. the rest. Good, good. Nature, very, very sensual. All those vibrations, all those feelings, all those critters out there, all that energy from the forest. Oh, you can have that back temporarily. Absolutely. How is your sensuality? Oh. Ah, yes. Really great. Really good, good, good. Absolutely. And uh, mine is going to be better now with a little bit to eat here. Don't mind me. Just continue your meeting. Why you know, is this is supposed to be a potlucking. Did you taken? notice there's hardly any chocolate? Uh, no chocolate. This Nobody's is so bringing chocolate. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Well, good. Well, we'll just bring some for later. I ask about your sensuality, just in case we get hungry here. I get hungry. We don't have food on the other side. I have to come here to get a good meal. Thank you, Linda. Keep your hands off of there. No problem. Mm. Mm. <laughs> to all those listening in online, just we're taking a coffee break. Sandra? And eat talking with your the mouth. The forest berry. I don't care. It's on my mouth. <laughs> he looks stupid, not me. <laughs> Smack your lips and then I'll know it's not Jeff. And uh, <laughs> 
to the forest very uh, Coffee or cream, please? Uh, thank you. So, um, command energies to serve me, as you should be doing also. I ask about your sensual nature right now. How is your sensual nature? Because a lot of times you suppress it. You keep it down. You don't think uh, that you're either deserving of it or you think it's going to keep you stuck here on this planet. And it's not. It's not. The greatest joy that the Ascended Masters ever realized just before they ascended was that they are very sensual. You can do things on this planet, right here, you can't do anywhere else. You can't <laughs> eat a plate of bagels. They, I guarantee they do not have bagels anywhere else in the universe. Only here. Really. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you make a fine forest fairy. There is no place like Earth where you can have a sip of coffee while you're doing a webcast like this. No place where you can smile and laugh and rub cheeks mm. with another human or any of that. There's a tendency to suppress the sensual nature. Angels by nature are very, very sensual. Uh, they love color and sound. They love texture and art. They love anything that gives sensual experience. And I'm not just talking sexual, although that is something also very unique to this planet. How you come together in a, a beautiful physical, spiritual, energetic union. Whether it's with yourself, a partner, it doesn't matter. So I ask, as we begin today, how is your sensuality? Because it will absolutely affect your energy level. It really will. When you suppress that sensuality, when you block out the senses, the physical and the spiritual senses, it basically shuts down the flow of energy. If you're in a mental mode, doing a lot of thinking and processing, you're going to get really tired because you've restricted that natural flow. You're not radiating out to the field of all energies that you want some more. You get very caught up here. Your body then gets sluggish. Your mind tends to then overthink. You've all had the experience, what's wrong with me? Analyze, uh, go down and try to figure out what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Well, what's wrong is you're not allowing yourself to be a sensual being with every sense that you have. So immersed into life that you don't care if you get lost, because you won't. You really won't. So immersed into yourself so immersed into the I am that you really don't care where you go or what happens, because you're on such a sensual journey into yourself and therefore with others. There's definitely a resistance to immersing into you. It's like, well, that sounds selfish. It sounds like you should be doing everything for everybody else. Absolutely not. And we're going to talk about that today in, in a number of different ways. 
letting yourself be so into you, so wildly and madly in love with yourself, that's, that's what changes this planet. That's what actually gives you joy for the experience on this planet. Absolutely. So, next question. Microphone is at hand, ready to go. Rockin'. Next question. Oh, we'll, we'll take our newcomers here. We have a whole front row of them, all line, lined up for me. Ah, yes. Beautiful ladies all here for the first time. Camera is over there. There's another one there in case you try to run. <laughs> and, and so everybody around the world can see you. So why are you here? We'll just go right down the row. Why are you here? Microphone, and if you wouldn't mind standing. Really? Well, as uh, it has been said, there's a time of new onsets, and I always wanted to be here, and it's my first time, and I'm in the time of the first times again, starting new ex experiences. Right. And why, why are you here on Earth? I mean, not, not oh, here at, at all. Today. I mean, For that. <laughs> I'm asking a broad question. I, I, just a moment. I, we'll try again. Let's, let's cut let's that over. last part. Let's start over. My dear, uh, if I could no, take that a moment, my dear, mm, oh. mm. why are you here? To enjoy myself a lot. That's great. That's wonderful to enjoy. Do you realize that five years ago, you, many others, couldn't have said that? No, couldn't have not said at that. all. They're here to enjoy. Good. And there weren't any buts with that. No buts. Here to enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. So, why are you here? Uh, here at this meeting, but also in this lifetime. I'm your biggest fan. I oh, mean, my biggest fan. That, do you have any Adamas Awards today? Yeah, yeah. It's so easy, but they make it so difficult. I've been in Say love. Say the right with word. You. I've been in love with you for centuries. Oh, thank you. You know that. Ah, I do. I do. Ah, so, well, we can end the meeting now. Uh, it's, uh, Let's just take a We have a bottle place. of tequila. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Other than me, uh, why are you here? Well, I do enjoy life so much. It's always been just a joy to be here. And I guess we're privileged yes. in so many ways because. Well, there's a whole lineup of angels waiting us for us to kick our asses out of here, yes. right? <laughs> yes. So we're privileged. Privileged. We're enjoying right. it. Yeah. And um, of course, we are getting there to um, ascension, which is this weird thing everybody wants Very to get there, and yeah. they're wandering in the other side. Yeah. They had to come down to earth to get there. Yes. Yeah, that song too. <laughs> yes. It's very strange uh, with a recent group that we talked to about ascension. Uh, we, we asked the group, what is ascension? Well, they couldn't answer the question. And we said, uh, how badly do you want it? Well, absolutely they wanted it. <laughs> but we said, what's holding you back? And they didn't know. So there's the, the whole ascension dilemma. Um, we'll talk about it some other day, but absolutely it's there. So you're here to enjoy, or are yes. you enjoying? Absolutely. Every Good. single day. Every single Wonderful. Good. Thank you. And you know, as we go around the room with a microphone, I will call Machio Machio. Aha. Well, this was not 
No, no, no. It felt very good. Very good. I'm just warning others. <laughs> Next, my dear, why are you here? I guess it's the joyful row, but yes. um, I will add something to this um, because of my love story. Your love story? Yeah. With? Myself, ah. my children, ah. life. Yes. To open this love more and more in me and yeah, Great. everywhere else. Excellent. A love, and I love how you put yourself there first because. We don't need to go into the details, but if you can't love yourself, you really can't love anyone else. You know something about love? I, I had such a wonderful time talking about it recently in France. Something about love, very interesting. L there was no love as you would know it. There was no love from the first circle, from all that is, from God. God never knew love in the early days. There was no, actually, really no love with angels when you were in your angelic family. There was things like compassion and relationships and interrelationships, but there was no love anywhere in creation until you came to earth and discovered it. Until you discovered love right here on earth. Amazing. Now, you've been taught that uh, God has always loved you. God didn't know what love was until you found out what love was. And in that moment where you felt this thing called love and you reflected it or you radiated it back to spirit. Spirit fell in love. Spirit reflected it back to you. And now you've got this great love affair going on. For you forget it once in a while, but it is love from you to spirit and spirit back to you. But it was created right here on this planet. That is one of the things that makes Earth so amazing. It wasn't created in the Palladians or in the Arcturians or in the, your spiritual family or in any, anywhere else, my friends. It was created right here. And now it's being radiated, being shared on every level in the near-Earth realms with other dimensions and even other planets. You wonder? Why they're so interested in what goes on here, why they project themselves here, beam themselves here, once in a while trying to fly in little spaceships that doesn't work very well, because they're curious about this thing called love. They know it came from here, and now they want it too. They'll learn, they'll learn, they'll learn from you. They'll learn for themselves. But yes, my dear Kata, love, ah, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. You get so caught in it, so hurt by it, so uh, deep into it. But for the most part, very, very few humans know what it's like to love themselves. They tolerate themselves. They, they, <laughs> They, they have an awkward relationship with themselves. 
and they're, they're still looking for love and still creating love with other people. But you know what, what's going to happen in this planet? I'm, I'm digressing, but I love to digress. What's going to happen on this planet is this planet has created love, shared love, and, and been in love. What happens next on this planet that's never been done anywhere else in all of creation is for the very beings who came here to start loving themselves. It's the next frontier. It's the next evolution. It's the next, uh, it's the next spiral, but a spiral that Oh my! No barkers. Oh. We'll have to imagine. No, no, they're coming. (laughs) It's on its way. Run, Forrest! Run! Not that I'm so demanding. A simple cup of coffee, a a marker, is all I need to keep me happy. So you could say that your experiences have been like a big spiral, and continuing to expand, continuing to experience and, and, and to share all that. But funny thing happens at a certain point in this awakening that you're going through. The spiral comes back into itself, and then you would have to create a hologram. You can't write it on the board like this, but you go through um, like a, a doorway, a doorway into yourself. And you're never going to be alone in there because you found yourself, uh, but you have an intimate understanding of everything and everyone else when you fall in love with yourself. One of the toughest things to do, absolutely. One of the most difficult things to do, and I, I look at all of you and you've had the experience or are going through the experience of loving yourself. Oh, so challenging. So difficult at times, uh, and then you start to try to figure it out. Well, how do I love myself? Well, oh, you've just lost. Go back, take a nap. Come back later. <laughs> Good. So, um, the question: Why are you here? Is is a big one. It, it's not that difficult, actually. We'll get into that today. It's very simple. And then as you start truly feeling into it, then it starts to get more complex. But the reason that you're here is love. Love for this planet. Absolute love for this planet. And I know many of you have complained about it over the years, and I've heard more than my share of complaints. That was funny. <laughs> more than my share of complaints uh, about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but, but actually, the funny thing is once you leave here, especially once you're in those final moments here, uh, final days or weeks of your lifetime, suddenly you start remembering all the things that make this life great, the love for being here. And then, damn it, as much as you've made a vow not to come back here again, son of a gun, you're back. Because you love it. Because you love it. Question, why are you here, is a big one. I would say one of my greatest challenges of working with you is getting to see, getting you to see who you really are. 
getting you to understand why you are here, what you're doing here. Now, we've pretty much gone beyond some of the old phases, such as you're here because of bad karma. Uh, you're here because um, you, you did something wrong or whatever in a past life, and now you have to make amends for it. Thank God we've gotten over that hurdle. Nobody is here. Nobody, whether you're here in the room listening in or anywhere, is here because of karma, unless you believe in that karma. So many of you have felt that you were here to take care of others. Others. That's a really bad reason for being here, because they're going to crap on you one way or the other. <laughs> they will. Well, let me rephrase that. Caldra is uh, uh, wagging his finger at me. Sooner or later they're going to disappoint you. If you have an agenda that you have to be here for somebody else, sooner or later they're going to disappoint you. And they, they have to. They have to, first of all, to set you free once and for all, and to set themselves free for their own sovereignty. So. Many of you are still struggling a bit with that. I have to be here for everyone else. Some of you uh, – I'll go into this a bit later – but so, uh, most of you are still having a bit of a time – hopefully we'll get through this today – you're here in your old role, a role that Tobias talked about years ago, and you can't quite shake it. Can't quite shake it because you, you you really haven't grasped, put your arms around, or felt into why you're really really here. So you hang on to an old notion that you're an, an uh, energy holder, an energy holder, because you've done it for a long time. There are there are literally groups that uh, live inside of mountains or underground or somewhere in the in the deep forest secret groups. They've been going on for dozens and dozens of centuries, and they're holding the energy for this planet. They chant. They pray. They deny themselves of, of most human pleasures – definitely, these are not sensual people <laughs> – and they, a lot of them are still found in the Religious orders, although they don't really quite understand, they think they're there because of religion, but they're really there as energy holders. You find them all around Jerusalem. You find them in mosques and temples, in indigenous societies, indigenous groups around the world. They, they do this from generation to generation. They reincarnate back into these energy holder groups. And for a long time, those served a wonderful purpose. For a long time, you were one of those energy holders. Long time, lifetime after lifetime, actually. Holding for what, though? Holding for what? We, we went to Egypt a few years ago, and Tobias talked about the energies that were still in the stones in the temples, still buried in the ground. Still, with many of the people who were walking in, in physical form. And he said, These energy holders have been here for thousands of years. Nobody asked the question, holding what? For what? For what? 
Well, some would say, well, they're holding an energy for peace. Well, you screwed up because there's not peace. <laughs> you get an Adamus Award. Yes, I laugh at my own joke. That was so funny, huh? Ah, thank you. My first award. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Would you pin it uh, on me while I continue to talk? But holding for what? Holding for what? And some of you are still in this uh, type of hypnosis, t type of overlay. Uh, we've had some very interesting discussions with groups lately, and who still believe they're here holding the energy for nature. I don't think so. Nature can do fi just fine. There you go. Thank you. Wow. Fancy. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so there's, you're still in this role, and, and as I say, it's difficult at times. My big challenge is, is getting you to see what you're really here for, why you're here. By the way, being the sensual, spiritual pirates that you are, energy holding is truly really boring, not very cutting edge. The interesting thing is also that many of you are having a hard time giving up this role because you think, if you're not doing it, the world's going to collapse. Could collapse anyway, whether or not you're doing it. But the important thing is that there are others uh, who maybe not have had as much experience here on Earth who want to now serve in some way. They are coming into those roles. So, in a way, you're kind of keeping them from being the next energy holders. Uh, the Earth will always need a degree of energy holding. Uh, it's, and perhaps a better word, energy balancers. Because as as consciousness does this kind of leapfrog thing, as consciousness really moves and expands, it's uh, for right now there's a dynamic that would have that there's something that's maintaining a balance or a reference point. But then at that at a certain time that changes also. The next new group comes in to hold that balance. But holding for what? Well, holding to keep the momentum from just going absolutely crazy, holding mostly for, for the indigenous ones, for the ones who have been doing this for thousands of years, holding it for the right time for the right group, holding it until the consciousness of Earth was at such a place where, where a group of humans could become sovereign beings, could become masters, could become enlightened and still stay in the physical body. They're holding it until such a time that there was enough mass or, or enough numbers of these people who had truly uh, developed love and compassion for themselves and were the true new standards for this planet. That's what they were holding it for. And that's you. And that's what you don't see, and that's where I have to slap my head once in a while and say, why don't they see this? And, and I've been asking myself that a lot. Why don't you see it? Well, a lot of reasons. One is you're still caught in that energy holder role. And an energy holder isn't going to be able to see who they really are if they're still playing in that, in that arena. A lot of the reason is you just can't believe it. You can't fathom it. You go, who, me? 
putsy little me. <laughs> if I was so good, if I was such uh, this, uh, this highly evolved being that Adamus talks about, I could snap my fingers and a cup of coffee would appear. I see. And, and so you measure yourself by some really weird standards, uh, because those things eventually aren't important at all. But that's you say, if I was so enlightened, I could <gasps> I wouldn't dare. <laughs> I wouldn't. You say, if I was so enlightened, I could know exactly what the stock market was going to do tomorrow. And, and actually, an enlightened person doesn't care what the stock market's going to do. An enlightened person doesn't really care to read anybody else's thoughts, because 95% of all thoughts are garbage. And, and so an enlightened person really basically doesn't care, just is absolutely delighted to be in the now moment. So one of the things I'd like to do today in our discussion is get beyond this old energy polder role. You're not here to hold the energies for the dolphins. No, you're not. Or the whales, or the chickmunks, snakes, anything else. You're really not. Uh, there's others who are going to do that. You're not here to hold the energy for the planet uh, for the next uh, the return of Yeshua, because he's not coming back. He saw what was happening, and he said, "I don't need to come back." <laughs> you're not here to hold the energy of Gaia. She's leaving. She's leaving. She wants you to take responsibility for environment, which includes your body, which includes your physical environment. But she's leaving. She doesn't need energy holders. She needs energy pushers to get her out of here, because there's too many holders that are trying to keep her here. <laughs> she needs ones that are going to push her out the door so humans could take responsibility for this planet once and for all. So let's take a deep breath with that. Perhaps by the end of the day today, you're going to see yourself a little bit different, a little bit for who you really are, the way I see you. Uh, and it's going to perhaps you're going to feel a little uncomfortable because it's so grandiose, but why not? It's so spectacular, but that's what you are. It's so amazing because it is. Hopefully by the end of the day, you take a deep breath and stop <coughs> doubting yourself, and stop wondering about why you're really here. Yes for joy, yes for love, but there's something very, very grand as well. By the way, you're not here anymore for your spiritual families. It's a tough one, or it should have been a tough one. You know, so many of you came to this planet on behalf of your angelic spiritual families. You came here to learn something that would eventually set them free. Everything in the cosmos had kind of come to a big stop. A big, uh, it was like a like a uh, a pool of mud. It had just kind of densed down and couldn't move anymore. Uh, you came here to learn what had happened. Came here to go through a series of lifetimes, kind of reliving some of the events, but. They weren't in physical form, but physical form allowed you to have a whole different understanding. Guess what? You came here for your spiritual family. Very courageous, very um, service-oriented, very noble. 
for you to do that. The work that you did has freed the energy in creation with your spiritual family. That's why there are so many in line now to come to this planet or the new Earth. They are free. It is moving again. You're out of a job. <laughs> wow. Now what? Angelic unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the checks aren't coming for very long, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely, and that's a tough one because that's really one of the core reasons you came here. You dedicated yourself to that, and when that's done, you do feel kind of like, well, now what? What do I do? This is at a very deep level. Your mind may not recognize it, but you do. So you tend to have strange things, uh, dreams of re-enlisting uh, in in the military, re-enlisting in a service organization wandering around aimlessly trying to find if anybody needs your help and they don't you know it's it's uh, kind of uh, um, it, it's it's kind of an aftermath of getting the job done so you say where was the grand celebration where was this big celebration for the work i did my spiritual family is free now they'll have it later uh, but right now they want to leave you alone they know what you did but they want to give you time right now for yourself. It's been, it's been a journey. It's been a lot of battles. It's been a lot of trials and tribulations doing this. And they know right now that you just need time for yourself, with you. Let's take a deep breath. You're a special group. And I, I, I do not say that to other groups, unless they pay me really well. <laughs> I do not say that to other groups. And, and you know that I would tell you you were absolutely full of macchio if I felt that. I, I'd be the first one. I'd be delighted to tell you that. that. I'm more than delighted. I look for the opportunities. <laughs> I seek them out. You are here for something very special, in addition to having joy and loving life, and just for the hell of it. Why not? You've given a lot of lives in rather difficult service. Why not just absolutely enjoy it? Well, we could write a list of why not, but I'm asking rhetorically. Why not? Why not? You're a very special group. And at, whether it's today or tomorrow or maybe next year, I hope you can realize that, how special you are. I asked dear Linda to uh, – I'm going to ask her to read a quote. Read a quote. I'm going to ask you to feel into that and read it slow and dramatic and sensual. Why not? So here she goes. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the one, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. And they have no respect for status quo. It's okay. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify them, or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while many see them as the crazy ones, 
we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. So applicable to you, to Shambra. The crazy ones who believe they can change the world because not, not just for the sake of changing, because they know the world was asking for change. The world was saying, we're ready. So you step forward and say, and it can be changed. It can be, absolutely, and therefore it will be. A beautiful quote actually wasn't written about you. It was uh, applied to you. Who wrote it? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Steve Jobs is no saint. Want me to saint. read it like Steve Jobs now? Pardon? Should I read it like Steve Jobs no, 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 now? No. Uh, Steve Jobs, no saint. No saint at all. Uh, if, for those who aren't aware, Steve Jobs, the uh, co-creator, co-founder of Apple, Steve Jobs changed the world. Ah, it's, he's an interesting, interesting character, and so interesting that while I'm not a fan of sharing the stage with any other beings – I like uh, to have you all to myself uh, – unlike Tobias always had a guest I, – I, I have asked Mr. Jobs to be with us today. And he agreed immediately, without hesitation. So uh, let's take a deep breath. He's here already. And he promises not to call any of you idiots. <laughs> but he said I could. <laughs> let's invite in Steve Jobs. Uh, yes, this is kind of historic because I don't normally do this and don't intend to make it a habit. But as was said earlier today, he, he was kind of chambre, kind of connected with the energies. He's smiling right now. If, if you would like to, you can, you can close your eyes to sense him or, or keep them open, but he's wandering around the room. Doesn't have any intention right now of going to some uh, uh, bridge of flowers or anything else. He's still having far too much fun. Uh, in, in hanging around. Too, too many projects, too many things he wants to do, too many associations. Now, it's been said that S Steve was uh, a Buddhist. I guess you could say he was. He's kind of shaking his head right now and saying was and wasn't, didn't really care one way or the other, but it kind of fit. He liked the identification with it. For him, Buddhism was not so much about the spiritual journey. It was about a way for him to manage his energy through meditation, diet, discipline, denial. <laughs> uh, it, it provided some insights definitely into simplicity, and that's probably what he loved more about it than anything else – elegance and simplicity. The, the Zen of life, the, the beautiful, simple elegance. So he connected with it that way. But it also, as you know, um, uh, Stephen had tended to have a bit of a temper. He actually, the temper was partly that he didn't want to settle for less. He always wanted the most out of himself and those who worked around him. Uh, but it did lead to anger at times. So. The, the Buddhism part was a place for him to get back his balance and his center. When he crossed over recently, 
He said uh, simple words many of you have read. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Kind of like almost a spiritual orgasm, because it kind of was. What was he saying, oh, wow, to? Himself. Good. You get an Adamus Award for that. <laughs> himself. He met himself. The self that was so close, so, so, so close, uh, because, of, because of the type of wor- inner work he had done, it was right there. So when he crossed over, immediately he met himself. Oh, wow! It was amazing. Most people don't have that kind of experience when they cross over. They kind of have to go through this big, long tunnel, and they look at their regrets, and their grandmother is still scolding them, and those things. But I have to say, my dear friends, when you cross over, you're going to have that, oh, wow. You're going to realize that maybe you won't even have to cross over for it to happen. You're going to realize how the you is right there, right now, not way out there somewhere, but it's, oh, wow. Right here. That, that was the oh wow from Steve. <laughs> I am right here. And, and in that I am, that oh wow that he realized, uh, he realized that, that what had been separating from it, him from it was so thin uh, that he could have just blown on it and would have fallen over. Such a thin veil between the human aspect and his I amness, so very thin. And then he had a big laugh, a huge laugh, but his body was dead, so nobody saw it. Uh, but he had a huge laugh and, and said, you know, I, I, if I had just taken that breath, and if I had just relaxed for a moment, I'd have realized that, oh wow, was here right now. But I, I did try to study too much, and I tried to develop mechanics and systems for my own living ascension, and it didn't work out. But I had fun otherwise. But wouldn't it have been great? Steve is saying now, wouldn't it have been great if I could have just done that, oh wow, uh, a long time before I had to face the physical departure, the oh wow in the now moment. (laughs) So I invited Mr. Jobs in today, uh, and he's fascinated with what you're doing. He knows what you're doing, because we talked, and he can sense it right now. He has tremendous admiration for the pioneer nature of what you're doing, and he says a few words, which I won't have Culture Channel directly, but I'll, I'll, I'll speak uh, for him. He says a few words, first of all. Allow yourself to realize what you're doing. Stop denying who you are, because you're going to waste precious years – your precious years, but precious years for this planet. Stop denying who you are. Let your grandness show. If you have to get on top of a building and scream out your grandness, let it show. If you have to lock yourself in a room and feel your grandness, then do it. You're not doing service to anyone by denying your grandness. It's a bad game. 
It is a truly bad game. It's a, it's a dead-end game. It's a, oh, it's a stupid – yeah, okay, Steve is saying it. You're idiots if you play that game. <laughs> You're idiots, he says. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm much calmer than you are, Steve. <laughs> uh, so with that, next. You are the visionaries for this planet. But you do it by being visionaries of yourself. Vision is one of the greatest gifts that Mr. Jobs allowed himself. He came here with it, but he allowed it to, to show. The vision, the, the, the ability to feel uh, not into the minutiae and the details, but into the, the overall, the ability for him to feel into what is this? What, what, what would evolve consciousness? A computer at your desktop. Uh, he had a, a very, very big argument at one time with the uh, United States government about shipping computers to communist countries. And of course the government, in their infinite lack of wisdom, uh, said, you can't do it because they're going to have all these powerful tools. His vision said, you should do it because it will give each person sovereignty on their desktop. It will give them access to the world. It will open up the truth. It will enable them to be empowered human beings. And when there's empowered human beings, there cannot be walls, there cannot be old political structures, and there cannot be imbalances of energy. Ship the max. <laughs> I'm throwing in a little commercial for his company. <laughs> he had the ability to envision next that people would go beyond a computer as just a place to uh, run some software programs, do some typing. It was a central point of connection. Connection with themselves and secondarily with the outside world, with their music, with their creativity, with their, their photos and their artwork, with, with all of their aspects. That little box that you have sitting on your desk is actually a brilliant tool that connects you with your aspects allows you to put everything into very real time, into motion, into a sensual experience with your aspects, the aspects of art, the aspects of your past lives, uh, actually, and just feel into it for later, but it's a connection point. And it's not the piece of hardware, but it's the potentials that it represents and what it can do. And he had that vision, and he said, oh, by the way, and then people can buy music and connect on the internet and read books and everything else, but these are empowerment tools. And he had that vision. So as point number two, he asked that you have vision for yourself. You're not too old, none of you, none of you. I don't care how old that body is. I, I, I don't care. If you think you're in your waning years, actually those are the best years for vision. Because you had a lot of experience. You've got pretty good center balance now. 
what you also have is a lot of doubt, and you're thinking, oh, it's a lot of energy. It is not. Visionary beings don't need a lot of energy. It's not tiring. Mental beings get tired. They do. Structural beings wear out, just like structural parts and machines wear out. Structural humans wear out. But visionaries do not. What is the vision you have for yourself? Steve asks. I ask. What is the vision of you? Floating down the river of life, wondering what the bleep is going to happen next? <laughs> Hello, Crash. The, 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 what is the vision you have for you? Waiting for something to happen so you could react to it? Well, that's a cop-out. Excuse me. That's a cop-out. I mean, that's the way most humans live. I'll just wait, see what happens, and then react to it. Yes. Or having a vision, a vision that is like a huge consciousness magnet that then calls in all of the resources to bring it into fruition, to the energy that allows it to happen, the people. Now, Stephen learned a lot about um, bringing in resources. He had a, he had a little bit of, a, of an issue, one that maybe some of you can relate to. I need that sword again. He liked, he liked to go into battle. <laughs> he, he actually enjoyed it, as some of you, as some of you do. You like, you like the fight. It makes you feel real. keeps your blade nice and sharp. It doesn't have to be that way, though. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to uh, get into battles with mass consciousness, or uh, how, to, how to say this, um, humans that are not on the same level of enlightenment or consciousness. And not to be critical at all, but to be realistic, there are humans that have only been here a few lifetimes, or maybe a couple hundred, or they're just not. They're not expanding the same way you do. You don't have to tolerate that in your life. They're not going to be your work partners, unless that's your vision. They, don't, <laughs> they shouldn't be your work partners. You can have a vision to work with those who have the same degree of vision, of excellence, of passion as you do. You don't have to, you don't have to save the world by working with or relating to or having relationships to those who are at a different level. They're, they're, they are where they're at. You're going to do them more good in the long run by having a vision for yourself. What is that vision? What is that vision? Can any of you feel the energy in here? It's getting very interesting. Hmm. Yes. David, you can have my sword. Excalibur, David. Excalibur. So good. Now, um, so Stephen will be with us for the rest of the day, and he says he's open for a degree of discussion with any of you, anybody listening in, any of you here, for a period of time. He's having fun playing around right now. Next, as you're looking at your vision, you're looking at what you're doing here, consider some of the things that make this planet so special. Love, as I mentioned. It's still, love has now gone into the other realms, but this is still the place to experience it like no other place. Love for yourself now. Love for yourself. I can't stress enough that 
that there are not these other grand planets of highly evolved, intellectual, spiritually enlightened beings. Uh, there's not. It's here. Uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's the bad news, but it is, it is here. <laughs> there's still a tendency to want to think that it's out there. It is right here in this moment. The most highly evolved planet or dimension of all. Most. As I mentioned in other discussions, there's more intellectual, uh, intellectually advanced planets, but without love, without the sensual experience. What is all the intelligence that you could have? What is it? It's nothing. It's a dead-end street. Uh, w- without feeling, without having this amazing uh, experience in this very dense, very real, very um, feeling reality that you're in. What, what is all the intelligence? It's nothing. So my dear friends, this is truly the most enlightened of all planets. It's the only planet that combines the animal kingdom with the plant kingdom, with the human kingdom. The only one. You're not going to find another planet anywhere that has all those attributes. This is the only planet where you can really get lost, absolutely lost, in, in, in a very physical, very real way, and not really remember how to get out. There's some other dimensions where you can kind of play a game like you're getting lost, but you're really not. This is the place if you want to get lost, if you want to get so lost that, uh, that you have to refind yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is the only planet that was seeded by Gaia, the only one. She didn't run around all the other planets and seed them, only Earth. It leads to some spectacular, amazing uh, experiences. Uh, it's the only planet that has how to say this, incarnation as you would know it, as you would know it. Other planets have kind of a, kind of a repetitive uh, kind of renewal of uh, life force, but this is the only planet where you have true death and incarnation. There are many, many things, and I hope to write a book about it soon, that make this planet so amazing. So on to our next topic, and uh, if you would, writing at the board. So now let's talk next about uh, what should we call them? Not the issues that this planet faces, but the um, let's talk about uh, conditions of a changing planet. Conditions of a changing planet. As you know, there's a lot going on right now. You're feeling it. It's you're feeling it in in your body and your mind. A lot going on out there. A lot of concern about what's going to happen next on this planet. A lot of uh, drama building up right now as, as we get into 2012. We're, we're, literally, we're not in the calendar 2012. We are in the energetic 2012 right now. Does that make sense? Good, good. In other words, the calendar doesn't really make a difference. The whole change sequence uh, is already happening and the energies then behind it, and uh, what you see unraveling in the news. But let's talk about some of the challenges or the conditions of a changing planet. 
Let's talk first about population. It was mentioned earlier today. Seven billion. Population. Population. Seven billion on this planet. This planet basically can handle about 10 billion before you reach that uh, 100 grasshopper uh, type of thing where it, suddenly it all starts to fall apart. So what is this, what is this planet going to do? When are they going to reach 10 billion? Not, not that many years away, actually, the way things are going. It's a huge issue facing the planet. But I, I would say there's a good reason to have it as number one. The more people you have, the more systems and structures you need, the more rules that you have to have, the more uh, and less sovereignty is allowed because there's fewer and fewer resources. So what happens? Why is the population growing like this? Uh, other than people you know, doing it. <laughs> uh, why? Why? Everybody wants to come here. And that gets all the humans on Earth excited, then they you know, do their thing and there's more babies. <laughs> but yes, absolutely, there's more and more beings that want to come here. Uh, so there's kind of a, a push almost even for that population, a push of, uh, of beings that want to come in. And, and uh, you know, in the middle of the act of love, somebody forgets to put on the prophylactic because you know, all this kind of haze from all this energy from the ones who want to come in. And they go, oh, geez, I forgot. Oh, look what happened now. It's an <laughs> unexpected child. But yes, absolutely. So the situation here, the way to relieve that, new Earths. New Earths. More than one. We've talked about it at length. Setting these up so that angels can have the experience of Earth on these other places. They're not necessarily physical, but they're very real. The templates of New Earth are being set up by you. You, know, you say, I don't remember doing that. Oh, crap, I can't even clean up my own room. How can I set up a New Earth? <laughs> Could we open the door a little bit? Somebody's getting warm, hot in here. Okay, thank you. So. Population, uh, new Earths. That's one of the things you're doing, helping to develop these new places for the new angels. Not only that, but you're teaching there as well. You're teaching there. Number two, uh, financial. Financial. Oh, such a mess. Such a delightful mess uh, on, on this planet. Financial system you have is about 500 years old. It, it fell apart a while back. Uh, the, I don't, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in Greece or uh, Italy or any of the other countries. The financial system on this earth was due for a long overdue for a renovation. Long overdue. Basically, it's collapsed already. We're all here. You're still eating, pumping gas, and doing the things that you do, paying the big bucks to be sitting in these chairs, uh, <laughs> in spite of the fact that it's. <laughs> in spite of the. F <laughs> he gets. He should get it. Yes. Yes. It's all it takes. All it takes. I'm easy today. <laughs> you laugh, I gift. <laughs> so it, it was something that needed to happen uh, from, from a variety of standpoints. There was an imbalance uh, and there was a, uh, what I'm going to say, a wrongful distribution. Uh, and not some big conspiracy, but it just 
the ability to keep financial energy flowing, always flowing, uh, had gone out of balance. What's happening right now is a certain group of humans are discovering, A, their own bankruptcy. That's you guys. Uh, <laughs> their own frustration with finances, their own frustration with abundance, as you have been doing. You've been doing this in rather an interesting and beautiful way, going through it personally, so you could discover some sort of new situation. You blocked that financial energy in your life, and you did a really good job of it. You should all get an Adamas Award <laughs> for abundance malfunction. <laughs> so what next? Yes, Stephen is right. <laughs> He's a little bit influencing our discussion here today. What next? What next? Well, you learn that you've got to get those energies flowing again. You've got to get them moving. You've got to redistribute within yourself, first by accepting that you can have it, that it's not bad. It's not going to keep you here for another twenty lifetimes. It will help you enjoy the heck out of the rest of this lifetime. Absolutely. So you've gone through a lot of consternation, problems, everything else, uh, as a way of helping general consciousness, but taking it on a very personal level. So what do you do now? What do you do now? Sit and wait for the lottery? For the money fairy? <laughs> for me? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? Create. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Uh, and he should get it. Well, you probably have a thousand Adamus Awards already, but absolutely to create. If you get chilly back there, you can uh, close the door after you step out. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to say, I'm in trouble. I'm in real trouble today. I thought I would be kind and considerate and share the stage with somebody. But now they want it all to themselves. <laughs> he may be looking for a Chandler. <laughs> so, uh, where were oh, finances. Your own finances, your own problems with money. You've gone through all this, and now what you do, you just start creating. That's all you need to, that's all you need to do. Create. That's all. Really. There's, no, there's really no classes you can go to. Other, I'll probably give one, but you don't need to go to it. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Yes. You'll be guaranteed to be abundant or your money back at the end of your lifetime. <laughs> One simple thing, creating. It holds for you and – sorry – and it holds for this earth. Creating. Stephen Jobs was a wonderful creator. Wonderful creator. A lot of ideas, a lot of visions. Then the problem was, as you know, how do you implement it here? How do you produce it? It's one thing to just think about it. How do you produce it? Well, that's when, that's when you do align yourself with good people with energy-efficient systems. And one of the things that Stephen was known for was his uh, intolerance for uh, lack of quality, intolerance for lack of passion. In other words, don't tolerate it within yourself. Don't cop out in, in, within yourself. Don't take second best 
for you anymore. Uh, and you've been doing it. Uh, some of you are going to deny it, but you, you've absolutely been doing it. Well, this is good enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. Do you really deserve second best? I mean, between you and yourself, would you give you or yourself second best? Absolutely not. So don't do it. Don't tolerate it. And as I said a number of years ago, don't negotiate with others. This is the way it is for you. Don't negotiate a lack of quality. You all start out with quality in your life, with, with love and with uh, this beautiful, sensual nature, and then you negotiate yourself out of it with other people. You give it away. Don't. <laughs> don't. Not, not at all. And again, I don't care if you are 25 years old, if you're 50 or 80 years old, it's never too late. Never too late. Next on our list. Yes. Financial. Uh, next, I'm, I'm going to call this um, – well, let's call it uh, food. It's agriculture, but it's food. This planet is facing not a food problem. There should not be one starving person on this planet. Not at all. It's facing a distribution problem. You can grow food right here in this room, amazing food, food with nutrition, not food that's had the nutrition knocked out of it, but food that is nutritious and tastes good too. Yes, it can taste like a, like a Dorito and still be highly nutritious. It can. It truly can. But what's happening because of political, political structures, mostly, Distribution is cut off. Therefore, there are starving people on the planet. Why? It's easier to control people when they're near starving, when they have a lot of food in their belly. Suddenly they get smart. Suddenly they want things like freedom and sovereignty <laughs> and Mac computers. So <laughs> it's two, Steve. That's two. You get three today. That's all you paid for. Food and distribution is. As we approach 10 billion on this planet, the problem will become even more dire unless we take off the government controls, we break down the barriers, we stop paying for not planting food. When there, I don't care what other laws or walls are created between countries and governments, but all of the food regulation and all the, the food tariffs and imports and restrictions need to be taken off. There does not need to be any starvation on this planet. And if there is, it is directly the fault of the leaders. Mm. The fault of the leaders. You grow food anywhere, in your closet, uh, in, in <laughs> your basement, uh, on the porch, uh, anywhere. Uh, and, and as some of the energetic restrictions are lifted, uh, companies will invest more into the development of the seeds, the seeds that are going to grow more nutritious and use less water and don't need all the chemical fertilizers uh, that, that are energetically resistant to uh, things like uh, bugs and energetically resistant to the uh, bacteria, the fungus. And it's right here, my friends. It is right here. And there is a group of visionaries that don't compromise and that don't back out. And they say, we are going to envision that for ourselves first. 
for ourselves first. We're going to get off these stupid diets. That is a food distribution problem. When you go on these stupid diets, yes, every one of you who tries these, you are doing the same bleeping thing that governments are doing in restricting the proper distribution of energy through food. Yes. So, so when you, when you envision for yourself the nutrients coming into your body, feeding that body of consciousness in an efficient way, without all these crazy restrictions that you've had, and when you allow your body to process the way it, it, it should and it knows how, when you allow this natural flow, you create it within yourself, and that shares it with mass consciousness, and then these type of things come down. Next on the list. Oh, i got to write it. Religion. Religion. I'm not against religion. <laughs> but like the financial systems, it hasn't changed in a long time. You're in a, you're in a religious um, belief system, a religious consciousness on this planet that's at least six, seven thousand years old, if not older. It hasn't changed much. It really hasn't. The names of the groups have changed. So the leaders have changed. But it hasn't changed. Religions are mental, they're man-made, and I'll go so far as to say there is very, very little to do with God in religions. Very little. Very little. Very little. And, and God. Thank you, David. The sword holder today. The reason why I put this on some of the most uh, important conditions of this changing planet is it has to change. Several important things, and, and you know this, and you can feel it because you've gone through it. First of all, religions cannot exist the way they are today with the imbalance, the dramatic, enormous imbalance between the masculine and feminine energies. Uh, they cannot. It's, it's, it's inconceivable that they, that they would even have those conditions in the churches. You, you, just the same as you cannot have a religion based on just the feminine, just ISIS. ISIS wouldn't do it anyway. But you could not do it. It's about the balance of masculine and feminine, because that together is God, is the I Am. You can't exclude one. Religions are holding back a, what should be a burst of consciousness right now because of a lot of their rhetoric, their rules, their imbalances. And the second point is religions are on the list because they serve as an intermediary between you and God. God is right here. I mean, right, right here. You don't need an intermediary to go from here to here. <laughs> You just need to take a good deep breath and get out of your own head. And, but by having this intermediary 
having to go all the way around, you have to either all sorts of rules and prayers and regulations and suffering and everything else, it completely distracts you, completely gets you off course, and it's a course that's difficult to get out of because it's laden with a lot of hypnosis, a lot of sexual energies – it is – it's laden with a lot of fear and old belief systems. So it's a huge what, – what's happening here with these situations, there, there's this consciousness that's ready to blossom, burst forth. These things are holding it back. And with religion, how does that apply to you? Well, actually, you've done a pretty good job of getting out of your own rules, getting out of your own rhetoric. Some of you still have the lingerings of Machio, your spiritual bullshit. But we're having a pretty good discussion in privately and sometimes in groups when you're in that macchio. You're starting to recognize that's all a bunch of crap. It really is. Spirituality is so simple. You don't need any studying. You don't need to pay for courses. You don't need to follow a guru. Uh, the guru is probably less, less enlightened than any of you, but he's got this magic because of your oh, Steve is saying your idiocy uh, <laughs> of being able to extract money and uh, and power and admiration from from the guru worshippers. I say, in spite of what Steve says, I says is because you're not many humans, not you, but many humans were not quite ready yet to take that responsibility. That's why they also hang out in the churches. You have done actually a, an exemplary job. A uh, wonderful job of going beyond that. Next on the list, these conditions. And do stop me at uh, uh, six o'clock. Uh, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> Energy. Energy. It's a huge problem on this planet. Huge. Uh, it, it's, it maybe should be number one on the list, but uh, not everything can be number one. Energy. You're poking holes in the earth, and earth is going to not particularly care for it. The question was asked the other day, uh, when you're drilling into earth and, and an earthquake happens, even if it's a small one, is there, is there any correlation between the two? Steve? Duh! <laughs> you don't need to be a dropout from Reed College to know, duh, yes, there is a correlation between the two. So energy. It's a huge problem. It's a, it's a symbolic problem, uh, not just a literal one. The oil is running out. They're trying to do all sorts of things, extract it by squishing rocks together and hope they get a little bit out of it, and that'll last for a while. They're putting solar panels up. Uh, somebody's getting rich. Not many people are producing energy, <laughs> in my humble opinion. Or, or wind turbines. It's a nice effort, but uh, it's a really a waste of money, because that's not where it's going to come from. It's going to come from the simple alchemy of the elements that are already here, uh, the basics such as light and carbon and atomic structure, and just a different way of, uh, of uh, converting that than what you have now. This old energy is literally – I mean literally old energy, old dinosaur bones – your bones. You ever think about that when you're pumping gas? This is my bones from another life? <laughs> We're going to drive down the road with that? Ah! No wonder your aspects don't like you. <laughs> so, so, 
Energy is a problem on this planet, but not really. Not really. And that's the amazing thing. It's about that close uh, to a breakthrough. question is, is consciousness ready for that breakthrough? All the elements are there. A lot of laboratory being, work being done, a lot of good theories, good theories. Uh, some patents being filed uh, right in this very now time about some very new energy, clean energy, relatively, relatively cheap energy, and energy that, um, unlike uh, nuclear, nuclear, is not going to blow up the planet or leave a lot of bad residue. Very easy and cheap. It's really, you could say, it's right there, but the question is, is can the population and the financial system and religions and everybody else handle it? That's the question. If suddenly you could take down all these power lines outside, you can junk that old engine in your car, you can get rid of all of these infrastructures that support old energy distribution, what would happen? Uh, mass – absolutely, thank you, Vince – massive unemployment. And what politician worth his lies would want unemployment? <laughs> not at all, because unemployed people are not good voters. No, they're not good voters. They don't have an uh, allegiance uh, to anyone or anything. So. There is, a, there is literally a consciousness, not, not a conspiracy, but a consciousness uh, and, and that doesn't have a central organization or, or a group that supports it, but a consciousness, a part of Earth consciousness that is holding back on this. It's kind of an odd thing. It's ready, but it's going to change life as you know it on the planet. Everybody would become energy sovereign. Amazing. You aren't going to have to contend with the levels of pollution that you have now, and all the political agenda that goes with green uh, as well. And there is, my friends, there is. If there was this energy independence, it would change all of the, um, the, the, the supporting infrastructures. It would actually, in my humble opinion, lead to an unprecedented unprecedented level of new creativity on this planet. People rushing out, people the likes of you and others that have had ideas. Now suddenly you have cheap, almost free energy, clean energy. What could you do? It would be amazing. So to the point on energy, it's, an, it's, a, it's a world problem. What do we do? Do we get out? our swords and go battle all this bad consciousness that's really holding back because it wants to stay in the old? No. No. Although it could be fun. <laughs> but no. We take a look at our own energy. You're still using old energy, and I'm not talking fossil fuel here. I'm talking the way I'm talking light energy, cosmic energy, the way you bring it into your body, the way you process it in your brain the way you bring it into the abundance of your life. New energy is right here. I love this sword. <laughs> New energy is right here, right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, excuse me, it's uh, on your shoulder right now. It's hovering around you. It's right here, right over your heads. Uh, it's right there. But you're not bringing it in. Why? 
because you want to know. You want to read the book first, then you want to go to the workshop, then you want a guarantee, and, and then you're going to tiptoe into it. You're saying, okay, I've heard about new energy, but boy, I mean, give me everything that you know. Well, I just did. <laughs> That's it. It is new. It operates totally different. It's not based, based on vibrational or opposing energies. It's exp expansional. It's, it is not uh, relational. Old energy is relational. It always relates itself to a previous experience. It kind of it's, uh, builds on itself that way. New energy is totally non-relational. You can have an experience with it today that gives you a certain result, and tomorrow it's going to act totally different. And you take a deep breath, and you say, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I like things to be relatively predictable, but just a little nicer than what they are right now. Damned! Somebody changed the clocks. <laughs> so, thank you. Uh, so, what to do? You are visionaries. You are visionaries. You envision for yourself the experience of new energy, not through your mind, not through the mental process, but uh, basically by choosing it. Saying, what the hell have you got to lose? What the hell have you got to lose? Just the same as uh, the likes of Mr. Jobs. What do I have to lose by, uh, by putting out this, uh, these little uh, music devices? What do I have to lose? Why not? Eh, they're going to write bad things about me, but, he says, but they're going to anyway. So why not put it out there, and if it works, then they can write really good things about me. So, my dear friends, in terms of your own energy, get off, get off the old. Allow the new. Allow it to be part of your life. Next on the list – whew, I've got to go quick here. Okay. Next on the list – environment. Not a huge concern, but, but one that we need to keep an eye on. The Gaia has the tremendous ability to cleanse herself, to balance herself. A lot of times, though, it causes it takes human lives – hundreds, thousands, millions. Look at Atlantis. <laughs> uh, Gaia knows how to cleanse, uh, but she's leaving. The question is, do you know how to cleanse that environment? Now, a big thing would help here in the environment would be to get off the old energy, to get out of the, the, the old way of finances. That would have a tremendous effect, but as this planet gets to that 10 billion in population, uh, there's going to be more of an environmental impact than, than what I think most people realize. The visionaries that you are can relate this to your own self. This is your, your physical being, uh, primarily. Your body, your uh, – how, and it relates to the question, how do you cleanse yourself? How do you take care of yourself? It's not by weird diets, and actually Mr. Jobs is confirming that, Mr. Weird of all weird diets. And it's not about that. It's about taking a little quiet time with yourself, giving your body permission to do its cleansing, to take care of itself. It will. It has the intelligence. It knows how to do it. It just needs you to allow it to happen. We'll clear out cancer. We'll clear out old, stuck energy. 
It would clear out even the parts of it that store energy uh, for later use. It will clear those out, which is going to feel awkward at first, because you're not going to need storage facilities in your body for energy anymore. New energy is very much in the now. You don't need all the old storage places. By the way, we're developing a list here. This is, and I'm talking very, very fast right now. Uh, sorry, translators. <laughs> They're laughing. Uh, because we're going, to, we're going to work with this list. The next one that goes on here, and a big one, and, and it should be number one, but not everything can be. Or maybe it could. Education. Education on this planet is basically – my apologies to anybody who was really invested in it uh, – but it's basically a disaster. It is, and I say that not because of the passion of the teachers, uh, not because of their desire to serve, but the methods that are being used. It is linear. It is mental. And it's interesting because, as you have learned, mental Mental activity alone does not uh, last over time. The mind forgets itself. You forget all the mental things you learn, but you retain things like emotional or drama, life experience, uh, tools, these type of things. The mental stuff, it goes away. It's not that important. The education right now is focusing on mental activities. Uh, very, very mental. You could learn more by literally by putting your hand on a book and feeling its essence than you could by studying it. Uh, you can really learn a lot if you immerse into it, if you read it, feel it, uh, see it with your eyes, have it go through your mind, but also are participating in it. That's real learning. So for yourselves as visionaries, visionaries of you that have the potential of change in the world, I challenge all of you not to not to just find fault with the education system. That's easy. Anybody can do that. It's very easy. But what is the new learning? What is the new learning for you? Not, not for your children, not for other Shambra, not for uh, some uh, um, schools, but for you. What is the new way you're going to learn? All the above. All the above. And I would, I would add one thing to that – absorption. The ability to absorb energetically rather than having it uh, have to go through the mind. As I said, you could take a book and absorb the energies. Now your mind is going to say, yeah, but you know, then I'm going to give you a test, and are you going to be able to uh, you know, pass the, the facts and the figures about everything in the book? Irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. Facts are forgotten. Facts are forgotten. The new education is about intuition. It is about a, a, a feeling, a, an experience. It is about uh, the essence, not the facts. And the funny thing is that happens is once somebody starts extracting essence from it, the, <laughs> the time yet, you could extract the essence from here from this bottle of uh, tequila and feel into it. We'll pass it around in just a moment. <laughs> Opened or unopened, doesn't matter. 
you can feel into this. Oh, let's just open it. Pass out some cups, if you would, to everybody who wants to have just a, a shot. Uh, this is to, the, we're learning here. This is our education. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, so we could have cups for everybody and passed around. And uh, David, if you could use that sword to lop off the top of the bottle. Yes. And now, no, seriously, and I use this um, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but I use this as an example of, of learning. It, before you pour it, feel the bottle and the essence of the tequila in the bottle. When you feel into the essence, really feel into it. I mean the simple essence. Don't go all mental. Just feel into it. Next, pour a little bit in the glass and pass the bottle so the next person can have a, a, a sip. Absolutely, absolutely. But for those who are going to be sipping or, or really slamming it back, when, you'll discover that when you feel the essence first, suddenly then the experience becomes different, more fulfilling. It's the same way with learning. Uh, same way with learning. A book is like the bottle of tequila. You feel it. You feel the essence. Next, when you read the book, there's a lot more happening. You're getting so much more out of it. That is the true learning system – essence and experience. Right now it's just facts and figures, but essence and experience. So moving right along here on our list, we're almost coming to a completion, and then I'll bring this all to a brilliant point. <laughs> Leadership. Leadership. Oh, don't clap your hands yet. This one's going to hurt. Good. Uh, <coughs> for, for Linda. Uh, we need some more cups up here, please. We only have a few minutes. We have a lot of work to do. So leadership, leadership. Right, right now they're. You didn't. You didn't feel into the essence. That'll put hair on your. You didn't feel into the essence. You, you simply took it back. Have a sensual experience with it. Have a sensual experience. Ooh, that was good. See? That was very sensual. Better try that again. Better you than me. Mm. Ah, good. That's why I said at ten minutes till, cut everything because I'm going to be drunk. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Leadership. There really aren't a lot of good leaders on this world right now, in this world, whether it's business or or governments or anything else. People are afraid to step up to be leaders. Mr. Jobs was somewhat of a leader in, in his own way. He would probably do a few things different, but he, he was a visionary, and at least he was a leader for himself. When you think about who on this planet are, are the ones that you would want leading, and who are the 
the true standards, whether it's in government or religion or business, there's not a lot of them out there right now. That can be changed. That can be changed by you becoming your own leader. Duh. Ah. Duh. And that, that's why I said this is a big one. And this is probably whereas you get an A on your religion, you probably get a C minus, uh, maybe even lower, on your self leadership. That's, a, that's one of the lower rankings. You haven't allowed yourself to lead. You've got a pack of aspects that are kind of, well, it's like the, the prisoners running the asylum in a way. <laughs> and you've, got, you've got all this activity going on, but who is really in charge? In a way, you resist it. You don't want to take that responsibility. It's easier to blame others. It's easier to follow others. So you avoid the leadership. I'm asking you to have a vision now, a vision of your own leadership. What does that feel like to be leading you, to be your, your own self? I, we shouldn't time these things. We, we, should, <laughs> we should allow this to be in the now moment, very fluid. So, uh, so your own leader of yourself. That's a difficult one because you don't necessarily trust you. You probably wouldn't elect you if you were running for office. <laughs> You're not sure if you have what it takes to be your own leader, so you defer all the time. You defer to someone else, something else, another time. You're deferring right now. Say, well, I understand what Adamus is saying, but I'll think about it tomorrow. And you don't. So there's a lack of leadership. It's a boat without uh, uh, the, uh, the st- all of the above. No rudder, no sail, no <laughs> steering wheel, no engine, no anything. It's just drifting. These are the problems, or let's say the conditions of a changing planet. And these are all happening right now. And they're all happening within you simultaneously. You see the correlation. You can change the planet, or you can contribute to the change that people are asking for in this planet by taking it within yourself, by developing your own leadership, by bringing in new energy, by allowing abundance, by everything we've talked about today. It's not about going out and joining some political action committee or uh, renewing your membership in some energy holder group. Uh, It is about doing these things on a list for yourself. For you. When you do, that creates a standard, that creates a template and an energy that then radiates into mass consciousness. It becomes part of mass consciousness, a new wing of mass consciousness for those who are willing to make the changes. You see, by doing these things, you're not directly changing the planet, but you're providing the planet with the tools or the format or the essence that it can change itself. Anyone who wants to step up, anyone who wants to do it. Perhaps that this planet will decide to stay where it is, back in an old energy, and really not have this burst of consciousness that's ready to happen. And, and, and that may be. But perhaps 
with the work that you're doing, the very reason that you're here, it will provide that last bit of spark, that last impetus for this great breakthrough of consciousness. Great breakthrough. But before I make my uh, closing statements, because somebody's pushing me on time today. <laughs> Let me point out two other problems that actually I would say go above any of these. They actually take a higher priority. They're a bit more difficult to understand. Two problems. Yes. And you'll see this in yourself, and perhaps you'll see it as a problem or a condition of the planet. First of all, it's a mental era. It is the pinnacle of Atlantean mental activity. The pinnacle of that activity didn't happen in Atlantis. It's happening here right now. Things have gone mental. Very little creativity, very little vision. Everything is in the mind. The mind is wonderful up to a point, but it's very limited. Very, very limited. You have a very mental network. Uh, and a mental network, a uh, consciousness network, stays into itself. It is incestuous. And you know what happens in the case of incense. It eventually causes a lot of disturbing patterns. Why? Because it wants to blow itself up eventually. can't stand to be in that uh, confined type of network. So you've got a very mental mass consciousness network going on. Something's got to get it out of there, or it will either blow up or implode, one of the two. can't go on like it is. That is what's happening with you personally right now. You're getting out of your mind network, and it's hell, because you're trying to do it from your mind network, and it won't work. It has to, the, the outside influence has to come from somewhere else. It's your divine intelligence. It's your you. It's your I am. You can't think your way into enlightenment. You can't think your way out of your mind at all. So mind era is number one. Closely tied into that is hypnosis. Mm. You could turn the clock back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So number two is hypnosis. Uh, and we'll talk more about this in our next gathering, but humanity is basically hypnotized right now, and they're loving it. They asked for it, and they're getting it. They don't think for themselves, or act for themselves, or do for themselves, and they've gotten lazy and lethargic. And even if I told them that you are so hypnotized – and not speaking to you, but like I was speaking to them – you're so hypnotized, and they just have that big grin on their face, just as long as they get a little bit of circus and cake little bit of pleasure just to keep them going. So hypnosis is a big problem. How do you get beyond hypnosis? Choice. Choice. Thank you. Thank you. Did you get an award today? You yeah. get one now. You get another one. Does she that get was another brilliant. One? She gets uh, yeah. another one. Another one. Choice. That's how you can do it as visionaries for this planet to make a choice for yourself. 
work with choices. So, my dear friends, now let's bring this into summary in our waning minutes here. Let's take a deep breath. Why are you here? Hopefully it's for things like joy, because you put in a lot of time on this planet. You've sacrificed in a lot of lifetimes, given a lot. Hopefully in this lifetime you can just enjoy. Enjoy the sensual nature of this incarnation. If you do, if you really immerse yourself into it, if you really get into the distilled simplification of yourself, you'll actually be able to take all of this physical reality with you, and never to be stuck in it again, trapped in it or lost in it, but always to be able to experience it, no matter where you go in all of creation, instantly manifest physical just because you can, but never to get stuck in it. Secondly, secondly, I said, I asked, why are you here? You're here because you are the visionaries. You are the visionaries. Just as Steve Jobs was a visionary for personal empowerment devices, you are the visionaries for sovereignty. Visionaries for sovereignty. It starts with you. Don't spend all your time trying to imagine the planet and everybody on the planet happy and everybody getting along and just a big kumbaya uh, fest. <laughs> Imagine that for yourself. Envision it for yourself. Envision the abundance. Envision the energy flow. Envision all of these things we've talked about today. That, when done for yourself, that then creates this new dimension in mass consciousness that has the potential for people who are willing to change their life, one person at a time, has the potential to change this planet. You spent a long time as energy holders on this planet Earth. You've come to love it dearly. You've come to know that it also has its challenges. You spent a long time here. You can let go of any of the old residues of being an energy holder. And we invite you today – Steve Jobs, Adama St. Germain, Katsumi, who's been lingering and laughing – we invite you to be the visionaries. That's why you're here, to envision for yourself this new reality and then to share it with everyone else. That's what changes this planet. With that, my time is out. John Guderica is questioning whether he should cut off this microphone. So with that, I will say in haste those famous words, all is well in all of creation. Be in vision. Thank you. And so it is. <laughs>